0: Now on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions.
1: Hey guys, this is Travis from Iowa, I'm calling to get your thoughts on ticker symbol C A S Y, Casey's General Store,
0: and provides unbiased answers.
2: Is is their model replicable more broadly into more populated areas, or are the, are the profits that they're garnering from these rural areas? Simply because there's not a lot of choices.
0: Invest Talk. Over 32 million downloads and counting. Your participation makes it unique.
2: 888
0: 99 Shark. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now, today's podcast.
2: Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, July 8th, 2021 edition of Invest Talk. And we have uh, entered the summer decis- decisively, and volatility is also picking up decisively in the markets. And you saw that today. And we're going to cover that along with. Whatever is on your mind, mainly, that's our main goal each and every weekday, is to answer your questions and discuss the topics that help you make better money decisions. And this hour, I'm going to operate, as always, with my mission statement, which is independent thinking and shared success. So no matter what I'm speaking about, a stock, uh, an asset class, a strategy, I'm going to present it all here. Without bias, just giving you the facts as I see them in front of me, as well as the 20 plus years of investment experience that I will bring to you to help give you some perspective and guidance in difficult times. And I'm Justin Klein. and Of course, we encourage you to call with your investment questions during our live stream program from four to five Pacific time, which you can do right now. Or if you're listening after hours, no big deal. You can leave your question on our anytime invest Talk Voice Bank. Either way, that number never changes. 888 chart That's 888-992-4278. So let's get right to our first listener question now. Hello.
1: I just wanted to know if MasterCard at a good price to invest in. At what point I should consider buying MasterCard and or Visa? So which one do you favor? And at which point should I consider entering the market with those two stocks? Thank you very much. Appreciate
2: your input. All right, looking at MasterCard and Visa, and these have been some of the strongest secular growers for going on three decades now. Companies that really have benefited the most from the the increasing trend of transacting using electronic means mainly. That's basically what credit cards are now. And these trade at pretty hefty premiums earnings for MasterCard next year are expected to be ten dollars and forty four cents that's up from seven dollars and eighty six cents this year so analysts are pretty bullish on their earnings and even even using those aggressive forward looking earnings projections you're talking about a 35 to 36 times uh, forward earnings that's pretty expensive same with Visa. Expected to increase earnings by 26% from 564 to 709 next year on a 236 dollar stock. Once again, another mid 30s type forward multiple, and that's the big question you have to a- ask answer for yourself: Is are those multiples justified in a world where so much time and effort and uh, is being put into developing alternative payment networks uh like the lightning network for bitcoin and and other uh cryptocurrencies there are just other dozens and dozens of ways that are being worked on to develop a competitor to the transaction networks that master and visa own and that to me makes paying a hefty multiple for these names, uh, a bit unnerving. And these are companies that are trading at valuation levels that they've, they've never traded at. And you have to have supreme confidence that their network effects of their transaction network are going to sustain themselves. And I don't really have that confidence. I think over the next decade plus, you're going to find a time where it's a lot easier to transact outside of those networks. Think of Venmo. Think of what Apple is doing. You can send money to people and what is preventing people from using those uh, in a business sense. And they are using them increasingly uh, where where companies and, and especially small businesses accept things like Venmo uh, and Zelle. And that is transacting outside the Master and Visa networks and allowing uh, those entities to avoid the fees that Master and Visa Visa collect. So I just don't think the the multiples that they're trading at are warranted. And that's why I'm not a big fan of either one over the long term because you're just paying such a high price for something that has clear, in my mind, uh, risk to its stronghold on the payment networks. Now my focus point today concerns the story that mortgage applications have dropped to their lowest level since before the pandemic hit. The triggering factors include higher home prices, insufficient housing supply, and higher than average loan amounts. So we're gonna discuss what that means for the housing market, and I also want to touch on a few other things one borrowing is back so we're gonna talk about mortgages but then we're going to, to dig into consumer borrowing what are the numbers not just looking year over year but compared to pre-pandemic levels and there's some pretty interesting statistics and this gives more credence to the inflation narrative uh, and we're going to discuss that also how is the Biden administration handling China? Trump was uh, fervently anti-China in a lot of ways. Uh, you can argue whether his policies w- w- were, were strong enough or not. But what was always the most interesting about, thing about the, the, sh- the transition from the Trump to the Biden administration is how was the Biden administration going to handle China and the rules around uh, China investments and and just the the this the sino uh, US relations and how is that going to affect different industries and companies and we're going to hopefully dig into that as well because uh, that from a geopolitical standpoint is probably the most impactful factor to Uh, global trade to large companies that operate in both uh, jurisdictions and can be vital to some of the portfolio some of the companies within your portfolio so we're going to dig into that as well but ultimately, I want to know what is on your mind. Now, let's dig into the market real quick. We had a decidedly down day. The S&P was down 37 points, about three quarters of 1%. The NYSE, that was down almost 200 points, so about one and quarter percent on uh, the NYSE. You had the Russell, that was down 21 points, about 1%. The NASDAQ, COMPQ, that was down 105%. Uh, About two-thirds of 1%. Uh, Certainly a bounce, uh, but you're starting to get a bit of that volatility that I was expecting. Now, this is a a modest down day. A 1% should be nothing. I know for a lot of people, that seems like a a rough day in the markets. Trust me. A 1% gyration in the markets is not a rough day. But uh, you you are starting to see the volatility that you should expect in the third quarter. Uh, But one day does not make a trend. Nothing technically is broken. So uh, certainly could still power higher uh, in the short, short term. Uh, But I do expect volatility to pick up. And the VIX closed up 2 2 dollars points. And closed above the 20 and 50 day moving average. Was rebuked at the 100 day, uh, but closed at about 19. If you get a breakout above the... June highs, which was at about 2022 20, or so on the uh, the VIX, then I could see a more extended pullback in the equity markets. But uh, so far, we're not quite there yet. You have the 10-year. That was down, let's see, three basis points or so to the lowest levels since mid-February and right around the 200-day moving average. So uh, that typically is good support. For on the technical basis, so I would expect a bounce in the ten-year rate. But what is that? Uh, what is this move from 1.75 in the ten-year all the way down to the close today 1.2? Call it nine. That's a fairly big move percentage terms. And it kind of tells you that there is uh, money flowing into treasuries, there's excess cash into the system. We've seen that with the reverse repo uh, facility and the fact that that's hitting uh, record levels, the fact that there's just a lot of liquidity sloshing around uh, in the financial system due to uh, Fed policy. So uh, that's where we're at and uh, we will expect some tightening in the back half of the year uh, and a bit more volatility. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein with all the changes we see happening it is important that in these periods of uncertainty with uh, fiscal uh, and monetary uncertainty the task of building your financial freedom must always continue you have to keep your eye on the prize so your goal requires information and effective strategies and that's why we are here to help you with that your participation is vital so we're taking your calls live at 888-99-SHARK
0: has come and gone but as we move through summer you'll want to need unbiased answers to your finance and investment questions you've come to the right place invest talk 888-99-CHART
2: we're gonna head to georgia and talk with hogan he's looking at zedge inc do you own it or looking to buy it i i own it actually
1: and uh i was looking to add a little more and i was wondering if you think this is still good stock or maybe i should get out of it and maybe a good buy-in price
2: okay well technically it is strong so there's nothing wrong with the chart here Uh, a lot of volatility today but did close up 43 cents in a decidedly down day in the market now this is zedge inc and what do they do they provide content dish their their Content distribution platform. It enables consumers to personalize their mobile devices with free, high-quality ringtones, wallpapers, home app screens, widgets, notification sounds, etc. Uh, so it's the Zedge app. Do you know much about the underlying business?
1: Uh, I do. I've actually been using it for some years. Uh, I've gone every every cell phone I've owned. I've downloaded it. Uh, I've, you know downloading a lot of ringtones custom ringtones mm-hmm. uh, you can just type it in and find it
2: now is this uh, for uh, and what, iphone and android or just android uh,
1: i've i've only used android so i don't know about iphone
2: got it okay yeah so android iphone i, I doubt it probably works there cuz uh, apple keeps such a tight uh grasp on their ecosystem but the Android platform is uh, far more popular worldwide uh, than than uh, Apple. So uh, even if it's just uh, Android-focused, it still can have a, a wide user base. Now, from a revenue standpoint, this is a company last quarter did $5 million in sales, so uh, up 152% year over year, expected to make $0.45 cents this year, $0.47 cents next year. So... If you go based on forward earnings, it's trading in, in the mid-30s, but it's a very small company with a, a lot of room to run, and you said you've been using it for a while, so maybe it's just finally picking up uh, enough steam. So uh, I kind of like the the underlying uh, business uh, It's showing that they're now able to produce consistent revenues and, and profits. After many years, it was kind of up and down. 2014 sales were 7 million in 2018 at 11 and then 9 million in 2019 and 20 and now trailing 12 months are at 17 million now how much of that is? because of the pandemic people bored sitting at home maybe trying to trying to uh customize their phone uh that certainly could be a possibility but their recent performance from a business standpoint is outstanding uh technically it looks fine the valuation doesn't look extreme based on those cash flows and still a low 250 million dollar uh, market cap so i would just be holding it i would have a stop at the 100 day moving average right now it's at 13.51 uh close today on the stock was 1844. obviously that 100 day is going to continue to move up so I would hold it. If you, you use it, you know it. You—they they clearly have figured out something from a business business perspective to drive profits and cash flow, and the technicals look perfectly fine. So I would be holding it, Hogan. Okay. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. As serious investors, we try our best to manage our fear and greed, and it can be difficult, especially for the novice and new investor. But the that practice can make you a better investor. So let's talk about whatever is on your mind. We're taking your calls live at 888 99 Chart.
0: When you tell your friends and family members about the free Invest Talk podcast downloads, let them know they can choose an episode that covers their topic of interest. For example, browse by episode title. For potential questions and answers on 401ks, cryptocurrency, treasury yields, real estate investing, commentary on growth stocks, listener stock picks, and more. Download free anytime at iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or investtalk.com.
2: Now, my focus point today is on the mortgage market Mm and... A byproduct of that, obviously, is the housing market. And numbers came out for the latest month, and it showed that mortgage applications were down 1.8% last week, falling to the lowest level since the beginning of last year, so pre-pandemic. And both finance and refinance applications took a hit, even though mortgage rates slipped. Now, the average contract for a 30-year mortgage with conforming loan balances dropped five basis points to 3.15%, so down a touch, so you can kind of see what the 30-year rate is over the past week. And the refinances for homes dropped 2% .2 for the week and were 8% lower than a year ago, home purchase applications were down 1% for the week and came in four, down 14% from a year ago. And it just shows to show you the lack of demand or the dwindling demand for homes at these prices and that the, the urge to move out of the city centers and into uh, rural areas and into the suburbs uh, to get more land and get more space is, is dwindling. Uh, uh, the people that were going to do it, for the most part, have kind of done it. Uh, and those that I've thought about it are looking at the prices and the competition and seeing uh, the big Wall Street firms like Blackstone coming in, paying cash. Uh, it's hard to compete with, and that's a big issue here. Now, the mortgage and rent moratoriums were supposed to expire last month but they pushed it off a month. Now, will they push it off again? Another month is a big question, but that'll be a giant factor over the next, I think, six to 12 months, is do they let it expire? And what percentage of those people are going to sell? Now, they're not, there's not gonna be a lot of foreclosures because many of those, or most of them, are gonna have a lot of equity with prices going up so high. So even if you're a homeowner, you've gone into forbearance, uh, that expires, and you now have to pay your mortgage, you're unlikely to, and maybe you can't afford it, you're unlikely to just let it foreclose, but maybe you'll put it up for sale and go rent or downsize or do something else uh, with uh, that property. And so that's certainly going to be a chunk of the mortgage moratorium market. Another chunk will be those landlords, those that have dealt with rent moratorium rules over the past 18 months or so, and are gonna say, hey, I don't wanna be a landlord anymore. Maybe they're entering retirement, maybe they just don't wanna deal with it anymore. A chunk of those are also going to list their properties for sale and and kinda get out of the the, the rental business. Now, is that gonna be the majority of uh, those? Probably not, but 10, 20, 30%, that's gonna bring some level of supply on the market that has really been lacking from the existing home inventory. That's why home builders have been doing so well. That's why lumber prices have been so high. And you know, that's starting to, to wane a bit. So I do think in the back half of the year, the the housing market's going to uh, flatten out a bit. Uh, and what happens with rates, what happens with those uh, the, the supply of those coming off those rent and mortgage moratorium will have a big impact on what 2022 will look like. And obviously, I'll keep you up to date on those revelations as we go to the back half of the year. Now let's go to another caller question who too took the time to leave their question on our anytime listener line at 888-992-4278.
1: Hi, Stephen Justin. I'm calling in regards to retirement accounts. I'm a recent college graduate, and my employer is offering a 403B, but they do not match. They offer funds from Fidelity and one from Vanguard, and there are mainly mutual funds. But I also have my own IRA, which I can select any kind of type of investment. Just wondered if it would be better to just fund my own Roth or go with the 403B that my employer is offering. But my concern is I don't not match. My employer is also offering a 401A, So I'm listening to the answer that you can provide on your show. Thank you.
2: All right. Great question. And recent college graduate probably means you're not making a ton of money. means you're probably in a low tax bracket. And that means you want to think about a Roth IRA. Okay, so sounds like you have your own IRA and maybe you have a Roth IRA as well. That's where I would start. And this goes for anybody who's in a low tax bracket. You want to definitely try to fund that Roth IRA or maybe you have a Roth 401k option uh, within your, your employer. Uh, now, if your, your employer doesn't match, you definitely want to focus again on uh, those IRAs and in your case, the, the, the Roth and maxing that out. Now above that, above uh, the maxing out that Roth, then you can start putting money into your 403b or 401a uh, to for as a retirement vehicle. But you, you because you're not getting the match, and this goes for anybody who's not getting the match in their 403b or 401k or whatever their retirement ac- gov- or sorry uh, their employer retirement account. Uh, you want to be deferring to your IRAs first. 888-99-CHART, give me a call. This is the best talk. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture? I think you should know about Rosetta Stone, Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The stock market is volatile. It's constantly
0: changing. So how are you positioned? Is your portfolio properly balanced or are you taking unnecessary risks? You can get guidance anytime for free if you go to investtalk.com and take the brief risk-alized quiz. The InvestTalk phone lines are open and waiting for your questions. 888-99-CHART. Hi, Stephen Justin. 888
2: chart 899 4278 Now, before the break, we talked about mortgage lending and how that is down a bit, but what parts of the lending markets are up? Well, it's consumer borrowing and the demand for things like auto loans, credit cards, personal loans, that was up 39% in April compared to the last period. Now, you might say that's, that's huge uh, and that is a, a record pace. But once again, just like the inflation numbers, the base effects matter a lot here because remember last April, that was the heart of the shutdowns and uh, people were not borrowing very much because they were worried about their, their, their financial situation, their job, the economy as a whole. So many were not going out and loading up in their credit cards. Some just didn't have the ability to because they couldn't travel or uh, spend money on services. They were pretty much spending only money on food And utility bills. Many were not buying new cars. And so that is a tough comp or an easy comp, let's just say that. But if you compare it to April 2019, it's still up 11%. And that's pretty good. And there is a bump in credit card originations. Uh, Many credit card companies are issuing general purpose credit cards. Uh, more than any other March on record going back to 2020. And this is from Equifax, Equifax, the credit reporting company. Now, they're now splurging. The big question is, what are they spending on? They're splurging on cars, vacations, eating out, even though the cost of vacations and eating out are rising at records. They're buying cars and trucks and even used cars. They're not always new cars because the supply of new cars is limited because of the chip shortage. And this is a good thing for the economy as a whole. And this actually increases the level of money velocity in the system. And that's really been the big issue since 2008 is QE has, while it has... um, lower the cost of borrowing, it's actually lowered money velocity because lenders aren't getting very much for the loans that they are making. And that's a big issue as well. Now, lenders mail that 127 million personal loan solicitations. so you know the things that come in the mail, uh, you know, consolidate your credit cards and, and get a low 5% rate or something like that. That's, uh, they mailed 127 of those in May. That's up from $60 million a year prior. And lenders are signaling that their appetite for consumer debt is increasing. Their, their lending standards are loosening from a year uh, earlier, and that's certainly a positive. Now, J.P. Morgan consumers' spending on credit cards increased 17% in May from the same month in 2019. So once again, pre-pandemic levels. So... Not only are consumers now willing to borrow, banks are starting to open up their uh, lending standards and allow more loans to go out. And overall, that's positive for the economy. Now, let's keep the pace moving and go back to the Invest Talk Voice Bank for a call that came in earlier at 888 99 Chart. Hi, Stephen Justin, longtime listener
1: from Minnesota here. I have a question for you. I'm currently invested in the stock EOG. It's gone up a little bit, but it's just been flat for quite a while now. And I see that that sector is kind of going downhill slowly and so forth. What's your prediction on that area of the market and EOG? Does that look like a good stock to hang on to? Or should I just get out of it and take my profits and run? Thank you for your help. I'll be listening on the podcast for your response. Have a good day.
2: We're looking at EOG Resources, and this has a name that has uh, had a good run from about $30 a share back in last fall, hit a high 52-week high of $87.99, call it 88 bucks. Now we're right around the 80 mark uh, at the close today, so down about 10% off its 52-week high. and. The oil market has uh, taken a bit of a step back here. You look at the XLE, and a lot of that has to do with uh, oil prices dropping a bit. But you have to look at the supply-demand dynamics of the oil industry, and I I still think it's relatively bullish. There was a strong lack of investment in production after oil prices went negative last spring. And that typically takes about a year to feed into the overall supply, and or lack thereof. And you're starting to see that now. And inventories are being drawn down, and oil prices remain relatively robust. Now, the big caveat is that OPEC can kind of do anything right now, but they seem content on... Keeping their limited supplies and allowing oil prices to stay up here uh, in the 70 range. And, and this is good for their checkbooks, good for their resources, uh, longer term. They don't want to burn out their resources, their reserves, when oil prices are very low, you know, in 30 or $40 a barrel. So I still think, I'm still bullish on oil and natural gas. Uh, because of that lack of investment. And then you add on top of that the ESG move, where uh, the likes of Exxon and other oil companies are kind of getting taken over by activists uh, on their board and pushing them to invest in green energy and to not reinvest in fossil fuels. And that may be all well and good for the long term and for the climate. You can argue that. But it's decidedly bad in the near term when it comes to supply of oil and natural gas. And to me, that is a natural tailwind to keep oil prices going up. Because the actors in the space that typically will react when oil prices and energy prices are high to increase supply, they're more handcuffed. And not handcuffed because they don't have the money, but handcuffed because they just uh, there's not a lot of political will for things to get approved, and there's more pressure from those that are, are in power to force them to to not invest in new supply. And so your nat- the natural saying in the commodities market is nothing cures higher prices like higher prices because that brings on more supply. Well. Is that going to be the case here? And the numbers are are bearing it out that that's not as strong. That reactionary factor is not as strong as it has been in the past. So while EOG has kind of gone sideways recently, same with the the overall market, the XLE has kind of gone nowhere for the last couple of months. To me, this is just a consolidation period. And so uh, is EOG the best in the the sector? That's a question you have to ask. But uh, I still like the sector as a whole now you're listening to invest talk and you must be telling your friends and family about our free podcast downloads because we have surpassed the 33 million download mark and steve and i thank you for that so let's fit in another question and celebration at 88899 chart
1: hey guys this is travis from iowa calling to get your thoughts on ticker symbol c-a-s-y casey's general store they have an interest in it it's a local company from iowa I really like their stores, like their products. There's had a lot of growth, and so I, I like them. But just kind of curious, what your thoughts were, and what you would uh, choose for an entry point on that. Thank you.
2: All right, this is Casey's General Store, and they own and operate over two thousand convenience stores in multiple midwestern states. Provide self-service gasoline, grocery items, processed food, pizza, donut, sandwiches, etc. They have distribution their own distribution centers, and and fuel supplies. It owns the real estate, nearly owns nearly uh, all of its stores and distribution centers, uh, and some of its subsidiaries as well. And it looks like most of more than half of the company stores are located in areas with populations of fewer than five thousand people. So, kind of in the rural parts of the of the uh, the market. Now, the big question is. Is is their model replicable more broadly into more populated areas, or are the are the profits that they're garnering from these rural areas simply because there's not a lot of choices? That's the question I'd be a- asking. Because profitability looks fantastic. The return on equity over the past decade is averaged in the uh, around twenty range. Return on assets uh, somewhere in the six to seven range, and that is very good for a retail outlet their cash flow continues to go up their their free cash flow goes up their they're buying back shares their dividend continues to rise so i i like everything i see there the question is can they maintain this level of growth you are still going to pay a, a decent multiple On earnings, if you look uh, going forward, earnings are expected to be $9.29 next year, or sorry, that was in 2023, so analysts are already looking out into 2023, and even if you base it on that, you're talking about uh, 23, 24 times forward earnings and that would be the biggest question mark is is that a multiple that is comfortable for you now it has had a pullback here off its fifty two week high by about fifteen percent to one hundred and ninety three dollars and sixty four cents to close today. Fifty two week high is two hundred and twenty nine dollars. Uh, and let's look at the let's look at the support here. Where would support truly come in? I'm gonna do a quick analysis here of the chart um yeah right about 185 yeah 185. that's an area it's not much farther than than uh, where it is now so i kind of like the name you just have to you just have to have confidence that their model can continue to thrive in more populous areas and as they continue to expand so good numbers good cash flow uh, a little bit expensive on the valuation but You're going to pay a premium when they have that consistent of a business and profitability. Thanks for the call. Now, if 2021 feels like it is moving fast, well, it is. Summer is well underway. And that's why now as we enter the third quarter, you need to be prepared to handle the second half of this year. The transition from uh, an economy that was growing very strong, inflation uh, accelerating, to... Economy that's cooling, uh, inflation that's cooling. That means uh, different companies, different sectors are going to do better than you've seen in the first half of the year. It's going to have different flavor and a lot more volatility, and you should expect that. But that also brings me to the fact that we offer at my company KAPP Financial, located in Irvine, California, we offer free portfolio review assessments via telephone or go to meeting. And if you want to set one up, you want to discuss your portfolio, your your risk, your strategy. Uh, In light of the current market conditions, we would love to to help you in any way possible. All you have to do is send us a message through investtalk.com or call our home office at 800-557-5461. We can talk to you just for a few minutes and see how we can help. Now, next up, another question from the InvestTalk Voice Bank. It's concerning selling a house and investing the money. We will play that in about 40 seconds. If you enjoy listening to Invest Talk, you can help support
0: our programming by giving us your vote of confidence, a five star rating. When you review and rate Invest Talk with five stars, you raise our profile and help others discover the free Invest Talk podcasts. And we thank you by moving your questions to the top of the list queue. Just include a brief question with your five-star comments. So download, review, rate, and don't forget to call Invest 888-99-CHART.
1: Hi, this is Ray in San Diego. I'll be selling a house that I co-own with an ex-girlfriend, uh, hopefully in the next couple months. I'm just wondering uh, what you would recommend uh, to do to, split up that money into investments i've been thinking about putting a little bit into everything the ets index funds just blue chip stocks like apple amazon and maybe even some crypto and i also want to save some for a home for myself in the near future and i just was wondering what you would do or recommend thank you
2: all right great question and this is going to help everybody because it's all about developing a plan. A lot of you have money, and uh, maybe that's new money you've come into. Maybe it's money that you have built over time. But all the money that you have, you should have some sort of a plan for. Now, you did break that up a, a little bit and talk about what you're thinking about investing in, but also what your goals are with the money. And that's the first thing is, what, is, what are the goals with all of the money? So you hit on buying a new home or buying a home in the near future. Well, that chunk, whatever you feel you're going to need to buy a home, that's going to be need to invested safely. Probably CDs, high yield money market, or savings accounts. You're not going to get a whole lot from it, but it's safe. Hopefully FDIC insured. Make sure you're not taking much risk with that money because you do not want uh, some major volatile event to bring you to a point where you cannot buy a home. So that's first off. Then. The balance, you need to have a goal for that. Is that earmarked for retirement? Is it save it uh, for spend for a kid's college fund? What is that money earmarked for? And so if it's a retirement, you want to probably think about trying to get that into some tax deferred vehicle, IRA, Roth IRA. Uh, that's a CPA question that you want to discuss with them. Uh, and then uh, you want to be investing that type of money more long term. Uh, and then you go to your risk tolerance level. How comfortably are you with the market? Do you want to do it yourself? Do you want to just index? Do you want to have a professional do it? Do you want somebody to build the financial plan for you as a whole? Uh, that's something we do for clients. So all of these are factors you have to consider and then once you understand your risk tolerance level and your uh your then, then you can go into developing a, an aggressive moderate or conservative strategy we're heading to our last break so give me a call at 888 chart
0: as we move through summer you'll want and need unbiased answers to your finance and investment questions you've come to the right place Invest Talk eight 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 ninety nine chart.
2: Let's go to James in New York, looking at Sprouts Farmers Market. Hello. Yeah, can you hear me, James? Uh, yes, I can. Um, yeah. So I wanted to
0: ask about uh, S F M Sprouts uh, Farmers Market. I've had it for about a year. And um, it hasn't really done anything for me. Hasn't really lost money, but certainly hasn't gained uh, anything for me. So I'm just wondering on your input on whether to hold that. Um, I mean, I can hold it. I'm not desperate to get rid of it. I just wanted to hear your
1: expectations for that stock.
2: Yeah, we do own this for clients. Uh, owned it for probably less than a year uh, since last fall in the the low when it was in the low twenties. Now we're at twenty five seventy five at the close today that is down about 12% it's 12% from its 52 week high of $29 and change and this is a name in our mind that is benefiting from a few positive trends one is organic and natural groceries and that's what they focus on and the fact that they're in 23 states they only have about 362 stores though meaning there's a lot more room for them to grow and be Kind of uh, the Whole Foods, the the new Whole Foods that isn't owned by a giant conglomerate like uh, like Amazon, and uh, they've been growing their earnings fairly steadily over the last decade plus, and that's what, and they've done it in a very profitable fashion, and that's a uh, that's our biggest. The biggest thing we like about the name is that they consistently produce quality cash flows. Trading twelve months, uh, 2020, they did 372 million in free cash flow on a company that only has about a three billion dollar market cap. You're talking about over a 10% free cash flow yield. The return in equity, ever since 2014, has averaged about uh, 20 to 25%, and it's increasing. 2020 was 39%. Strong balance sheets. Once again, growing. Now they don't pay a dividend, but uh, that's actually a good thing because they are going to they are continuing to plow cash flows back into growing their store count as well as buying back shares. Share count has gone from 156 million in 2015 to 118 million today. So we like that as well. Good stewards of capital. And they're they're strongly profitable, so uh, they've had a nice pullback here. But to me, this is a good buying opportunity and a good, solid, secular grower uh, that I think will continue to do well. Thanks for the call. Now, let's close on a recent committee decision. And this is the Committee on Foreign Investments in the U.S., CFIUS, and typically, it's a low-profile government committee that reviews business deals for national security concerns. But its role is increasing within the Biden administration, just as it increased in the Trump administration and the Obama administration before that. So its power is has been growing for a decade plus within the U.S. government. And they're paying close attention to... Some major priorities of the Biden administration, which includes securing supply chains. Now, in June, CFIUS ordered a hold on a Chinese investor's planned acquisition of South Korean-based semiconductor maker Magnachip Semiconductor Corp. Now, what's interesting is this is a Chinese company buying a South Korean company, and CFIUS is reviewing it. Well, the reason they're reviewing it and they're able to is because. Not only does MagnaChip have U.S. assets, but they are listed on the U.S. stock exchange. And so, there, the, the Trump administration had been reviewing deals such as the TikTok purchase uh, a couple of years ago uh, by from uh, ByteDance, and you have uh, other Chinese investments in U.S. technology that he was very uh, had a lot of scrutiny on. Uh, and what this shows is that this is a bipartisan initiative and this is another reason why I continue to see the issue with owning Chinese listed companies Bob Alibaba hit a new 52 week low today and it just goes to show that this is this is a this something is not going away and this isn't something that's right or left this is probably one of the only bipartisan issues that both sides can kind of agree on. Now, they might differ on how they deal with it and what priorities they might have, but they all agree that there is there are problems with our supply chains and securing intellectual property and keeping the US's edge in certain industries like semiconductor manufacturing. So, uh, it's always something to keep an eye on, especially when it's this big of a deal and you're talking about the two most powerful nations in the world. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another InvestTalk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening, and we encourage you to tell your friends and family members about our free podcast downloads, which they can find for free, as always, at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And be sure to rate and review. And if you give us a five-star rating, you can help us raise our profile and help spread the word. And if you leave a question within your five-star rating, we will prioritize your question and give you that answer as soon as possible. And you can browse over at investtalk.com by topic as well, if that's what you want to do. You want to find the right show for you. Going back in our archive, you can do that. You can browse by Chinese stocks, interest rates, 401k, etc. All over there at investtalk.com. Independent thinking, shared success. This is InvestTalk. Good night.